Well, welcome. Today, we are going to be doing the second message in a series called Complete Forgiveness. Last week, we started and we talked about the fact that complete forgiveness is a little bit more than just saying you are forgiven or I forgive you. We looked last week at the fact that complete forgiveness releases us from sin and its penalty. And I believe most of us understand that and uh, we looked at it in detail. But today, we're going to look at the second part of complete forgiveness. You see, I feel there's three main parts that we want to look at about complete forgiveness. There was the first one last week, release from sin and its penalty. The second one, which we'll be looking at today, that complete forgiveness brings total healing with it. And the third part, that complete forgiveness brings with it restoration and beyond. So today specifically, we're going to look at the fact that complete forgiveness brings with it total healing. Look with me at Isaiah 53, 4 to 5. Isaiah 53, 4 to 5. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. You see, the very same sacrifice that Jesus gave on the cross, his body being beaten and hung there, bleeding and dying, the same sacrifice paid to forgive us of sin, to remove its penalty, which was eternal death or separation from God, but it also brought healing. By his stripes, we are healed. Look at 2 Chronicles 7 in verse 14. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You see, God wants to forgive and heal. This scripture comes from a time in Israel's history where Solomon had built the temple and he was praying to God and saying, hey, if we come to this place and we call on you, you know, if there's been famine and things going on because of sin, will you hear us? And God says, you bet I will hear you. And if there's repentance and a turning, I will forgive and I will heal the land. You see, sin can bring a curse on us and on everything that pertains to us. It's a principle of sowing and reaping. The seeds we plant, we will get a harvest from. And when sin is continually planted, a harvest comes. A curse comes with sin. Yet God doesn't just forgive the sin so that you no longer have a penalty. He also says he will remove the curse. He will heal the land. Now maybe there's someone here, you need the land to be healed. Maybe there's situations you wonder, why does everything continue? continually go wrong. You may need God to heal what belongs, what pertains to you. If there is a gloominess over your life, if there's a continued problems after problems, nothing working, failure after failure, you may need the land healed. You see, complete forgiveness also heals. Romans 10, 9 and 10. One of my favorite verses, and I read it here often. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is 
raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see, in this amazing verse that tells how simple salvation is, we sometimes forget to bring understanding about what it means to be saved. This word saved means completely made whole. Mind, body, soul, and spirit. And yes, it <coughs> includes healing because healing is a part of forgiveness. Now, God's word is full of amazing stories that show his love, his mercy, his forgiveness. And we're going to look at a couple of those today. The prodigal son. Now, last week, I looked a bit at the prodigal son story. We're going to look at it again today. You see, the prodigal son had decided he wanted his inheritance right away. Now, this is a story Jesus was telling to the people to explain how the father forgives. And the prodigal son <clears throat> said to his father, give me my inheritance. He went out, he spent it, he wasted it, he did every kind of sin imaginable, and eventually had no money, no friends, and he was working with pigs. He was so starving that he thought, maybe I'll eat the pig's food. And it said, he came to his sentence. He came to his senses. Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, father, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his fingers and sandals for his feet. Kill the fatted calf. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Now, when we read this story, we get it. He was forgiven. You know, we see he was given the robe showing his sonship was returned. He was given a ring, his authority, but he also needed healing. You see, in his mind, he could be forgiven, but he was no longer worthy. And he could only be a lowly servant. But the father's forgiveness would bring healing to his heart and mind. The father would bring healing to the son. And you say, well, how did he do that? I don't, did I read it? Yes, you did. You see, the father brought healing to the son's emotions and to the son's idea of himself by his words and his actions. The father ran to him and embraced him. His actions of love and the father's words. Go get the fatted calf. We're going to celebrate this son. You see, God celebrates when there's forgiveness. You can read it all through scripture. He left the 99 and went for the one. And when he came back, he said, get together, neighbors and friends. We're going to celebrate because the one who was lost is found. When you truly receive forgiveness, there's a celebration. And God celebrates you because you are now, once again, worthy because of forgiveness. Look at Ephesians 4, 31 to 32. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, up to this point, I've maybe been talking a little bit of how God forgives us, but we can't forgive 
forget that we also must forgive others the same way. So if God forgives us and brings healing with it, when we forgive others, do we bring healing to them? Now maybe you're thinking, well, if I'm forgiving someone, they must have wronged me or hurt me. Maybe I need healing. Maybe you do, but forgiveness will help you get there. And trust me, when someone has done wrong, they also need healing. You see, people hurt others often because of the hurts they've been through and they need healing. So let me ask you, when you forgive someone who's done something to you, do you also try to bring healing with your words and actions? Because you see, if you just say, I forgive you, but your words and actions clearly tell them you hope something bad happens, you hope God gets them, then you don't understand complete forgiveness. Look at Job's story with me again, if you will. You see, Job was an amazing man who was very righteous. He figured out how to do things right and uh, scheduled his prior time, everything looking perfect on the outside. But Job had a heart issue, and it was a serious issue of pride. Job loses his, his family, his flocks, everything. It's only him and his wife left, and then his health goes down. He has boils all over his body. His friends show up, gather around him for a while. They say nothing, and then they start debating and coming up with their ideas of God and who God is and why this is happening to Job, and Job has his ideas. God finally talks to Job. And he comes and talks to Job three times before Job finally humbles himself and says these words in Job 42, 1 to 6. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen and I will speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. You see, Job also needed a healing, didn't he? He needed a physical healing. He was sick, even depressed, but he was, of course, convinced in his mind that he was perfect and somebody else's fault had to be, to the point he actually blamed God. But now he's humbled himself. God is going to bring some healing to him. But in Job 42, 8 to 10, we read that God accepts Job's prayer. He tells Job, go pray for these friends of yours who were also sitting around telling you and speaking about God like they knew. He said, I want you to pray for them because they didn't say the right thing like you did. What was the right thing? God already told Job, you don't know what you're talking about. The right thing was when Job repented. See, the other men also were there as God spoke, but they didn't repent. But God says, Job, you're going to need to pray for them. And when you pray for them, then I'll also accept or forgive them. And when Job prayed for his friends, it said the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. When we read this story, we understand that God brought healing to Job through repentance, but immediately Job was asked to forgive his friends also. So how do you know that? He wouldn't have prayed for blessing over them if he hadn't have forgiven them. 
Forgiveness is a beautiful thing. And Job was forgiven and forgave immediately, prayed for those friends, and God poured out amazing blessing upon him. You know, there's another story in the New Testament that I want to look at. It's in Luke chapter 7, 36 to 50. And this is the story of Simon the Pharisee who invites Jesus for dinner. And while Jesus is reclining at dinner, a woman comes up behind him and begins to weep and washes his feet with her tears and dries them with her hair. She also puts fragrant oil on Jesus' feet and as we hear a little bit later on his head. Simon the Pharisee sees this and he knows who this woman is. She, in Simon's mind, is a horrible sinner. And he says to himself, this Jesus guy must not be a prophet or he would know how terrible this woman is and implies that if he knew how sinful and wrong she was, he would not let her be anywhere near him. Verse 44 of Luke 7. It says, Then Jesus spoke to Simon about the woman still weeping at his feet. Do you see this woman kneeling here? She is doing for me what you didn't bother to do. When I entered your home as a guest, you didn't think about offering me water to wash the dust from my feet. Yet she came in to your home and washed my feet with her many tears and then dried my feet with her hair. You didn't even welcome me into your home with the customary kiss of greeting. But from the moment I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't take the time to anoint my head with fragrant oil, but she anointed my head and my feet with the finest perfume. She has been forgiven all her many sins. This is why she has shown me such extravagant love. Those who assume that they have very little to be forgiven will love me very little. And Jesus said to the woman at his feet, all your sins are forgiven. All the dinner guests said among themselves, who is this one who can even forgive sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith in me has given you life. Now you may leave and walk in the ways of peace. You see, Jesus didn't see a horrible, evil woman that should not be in his presence. He saw a woman who was forgiven. Now, from the context of the story, it appears that possibly he met her before dinner and she was forgiven at some time prior to this meeting, or possibly the forgiveness happened right there at the meeting, at the dinner. Jesus gave forgiveness quickly. Jesus forgave completely. And when Jesus forgave, he knew that healing needed to come to this woman. Healing needed to flow and to fill her. And Jesus said, woman, you're <clears throat> forgiven. You see, the Pharisee in religious pride did not understand and all that the Pharisee could see is a person who was horrible. But God forgives, brings healing, and makes them new creations like that. You see, Jesus saw a new creation. Jesus saw a woman who was a child of God and had purpose, had a plan laid out for her. Jesus loved people who needed his help. And forgiveness for Jesus was complete. Are you and I able to forgive like that? Do we want to see people made whole? Do we want to see people no longer the broken mess, but a healing, precious gift of God? Can you see people through the eyes of Jesus? Or do you look at them through religious pride? Because when you can see people through the eyes of Jesus, you see children of God, some broken and bruised and battered, and you will want to fight for them. You will want to bring them in. You will want to see them healed and made whole. There's another story in the Old Testament. I'm going to finish with this story. It's from Numbers chapter 21, 7 to 9. The Israelites were following 
following Moses through the wilderness, and they complained a lot. And this time they complained to the point of telling Moses and God, why did you bring us out here? We should have stayed in Egypt. And God allowed serpents to come, and they were biting the people, and people were dying. Verse 7, it said, the people came to Moses and cried out, we have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to the pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Now this was a perfect picture of what God would do through Jesus Christ. He would be raised on a cross. He would pay the penalty and all who look to him for forgiveness would be made whole and would be healed. John 3, verse 14 to 17, Jesus confirms that it's him. And he said, as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Oh, Jesus wants to transform. He wants to bring complete forgiveness. And complete forgiveness includes healing the heart, healing the mind, healing the body. I've met too many people who are broken inside and they understand forgiveness means they won't pay a penalty or they won't one day end up in hell, but they don't understand it's far greater. It's complete. Maybe you are here today and you need a healing in your heart. Listen to me. If you're living in depression, gloominess, if you're angry at yourself, you don't don't understand complete forgiveness. You need to forgive yourself. Scripture says you need to love others the same way you love yourself. I've found out people that are unwilling to forgive others also cannot forgive themselves. They have high standards. They're hard on themselves. They're living even in depression because they can't forgive themselves. Jesus cares enough to forgive you. You can forgive you. My friend, we read the story how God wanted to celebrate you. If you've come to God and asked forgiveness and you're going forward in his direction, he's right there ready to celebrate you. How about you? Can you celebrate yourself? Can you celebrate yourself? Can you look in the mirror and say, yes, right there, that person's worth celebrating. We should have a party for them. That's how God feels about you. Matthew 8, 16 to 17. This is my final verse. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits with a word and he healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. You see, Jesus is waiting. He is ready and willing to bring you complete forgiveness. Are you ready? If you're here, you're listening today, and you have never accepted that complete forgiveness from Christ, I want to lead you in a prayer. You see, there's nothing greater than experiencing complete forgiveness. You become a new creation. The old is past. You have the assurance from Christ that heaven is your home, but you also get to experience total wholeness called salvation. You want that today? I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I am 
ask you right now, completely forgive me. Make me new. Use me. I thank you now. I am saved. I am healed. I am completely forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen.